0: Today, uh, if you want to open your Bibles to Philippians 3, I'm going to end there. Um, this is our last day. We're going to go over our little addendum here. Um, you might be uh, uh, encouraged <laughs> to know uh, that because I can only go to one o- or 12 o'clock for the next three weeks, I'm going to make that up today and go an extra hour and a half, so we'll be here at about two. No? 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 <laughs> Some of of y'all are going, no, that ain't going to happen. I will get up and walk out of here. I'm I'm, I'm joking. I won't go that long. Um, I could go that long, but I won't go that long. Um, What was I going to say, though, about that? Oh, next week, uh, we're going to hop back into Ephesians. Yay. So bring your packet, and we're going to hit the ground running in that packet now. We're really going to start moving through it. Um, I think we've gotten most of our addendums out of the way for at least the first three chapters, so I anticipate that uh, uh, the rest of Chapter 1, Chapter 2, and Chapter 3, we should be able to, to really start to move through those, uh, so kind of get ready for that, uh, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let the Lord lead as usual. Uh, so, but what, where, what got us to stop for a minute and why we hit this addendum? Is, uh, and, and, of course, the addendum is, is you know, what, what happened when I got saved? What, is, uh, what, what should salvation look like? And, obviously, uh, you know, we want to look at this from a very biblical perspective because uh, I do think that, obviously, is important. Um, I, I worry, uh, and I'm being serious when I say this, I worry that many of those words that I have up on the board there justified, sanctified, glorified, repent, believe, receive, faith, election, conversion, redemption, reconciliation, propitiation, uh, born again, regeneration, transformation, atonement, righteousness, adoption. I worry that most people don't really know what those words mean, not biblically. And and the reason why I say that is because most of the time when I'm talking to somebody and I'm asking them about some of these things, they don't know what it means. Uh, You would think people would know what the gospel is. You would think... I mean, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. I mean, listen, if we're ever going to come to the place of biblical salvation, it's by the gospel. And then you start asking people what the gospel is and they don't know. And that scares me. Um, at the end of the day, I'm not the judge. I don't determine who's saved and who isn't. All I can say is, I but I know what the book says. And so either... We allow God's Word, which, by the way, is the engrafted Word that saves your soul. I mean, I'm just going out there to say that, okay? I didn't say this. Uh, I'm just telling you what the book says. Uh, You know, how we are born again by the incorruptible Word of God. I mean, listen, the Bible is very clear. It's the gospel according to... One girl knows. Good. That's good. How about the rest of you? It's the gospel according to Scripture, not according to what's being propagated uh, in, in, in many of a church, unfortunately, even this morning. So either we're going to go down one of two paths. We're going to go down the easy believism path, which is what many uh, 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 a church uh, is going to preach about the gospel uh, even this morning. Uh, or, and by the way, the easy believism path, in my humble opinion, isn't going to get you anywhere. Um, that 's not salvation, okay, or we 're going to go down the biblical path which which one do do we want to put our trust in the bow of your head, say a prayer, or do we want to put our trust in the word of god that 's a decision you all have to make that 's a decision that anybody that uh, uh, is 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 in a position of being presented with salvation has to make. I would just say, it's not the preacher that can save you, it's not the, the, it's not the church that can save you, it's not the book that can save you, and I mean whatever, you know, a famous writer wrote in something, the only thing that can save you is what the Word of God says. Yeah. Anybody else with me on that one? I mean, listen, I, that, to me, that seems pretty pretty obvious, yet... Uh, man, well then why the heck aren't people grabbing onto this? And why aren't people uh, uh, you know, following after the biblical model of what biblical salvation is called to be? It's not just believe. That's baloney. And, and the reason why I say that is because, first of all, you've got to make sure you know what you're believing in. And I don't even know that people even have that. Well, I just have faith. Yeah, Jesus Christ died on the cross. Good, the devils know that. What's that got to do with anything? Yeah, okay, good. I'm glad you believe that. Listen, there's a lot of people that don't believe that. So I'm glad you got to yourself to that place. But I believe, okay, what has happened in the church house today and why the church is not functioning the way it should be is because you have a bunch of believers who never received. They believe that he did something, and that's great, but they never did what they needed to do. And not that it needs to be work, because this isn't work. He did all the work. However, there is repentance. There is believe, and there is receive. Paul's very clear on that subject, and I think we need to be very clear on it. It's simple. Let's not make it hard. But yet, even in the simplicity, the message has to be right. Because if the message is wrong, then it doesn't matter how simple it is. It's still wrong. Listen, it's not just Jesus loves you. That's, that's Jesus loves you. Just come to Jesus. He'll take care of all your problems. Oh, listen, man, he, you know, he, he wants to take care of you. Yeah, you're a sinner, but don't worry about that. Jesus just loves you for who you are. Just come to him, and he will take care. Listen, is there truth in some of that? Yes. However... If that's where you stop, you're missing the boat. That is not biblical salvation. God does not want you to stay where you were because where you were is the problem. And if we don't understand that, if we don't get to the place where we grab onto that, then I promise you, you will stay right where you were. And that's a problem. That is a problem. Again, I don't save anybody. This church don't save anybody. Robert don't save anybody. Jesus is the Savior, and I'll let him deal with that with you on that day. All I can tell you as your pastor, all Robert can tell you as your pastor is, all we can tell you at One Baptist Church is, but there's more. There's something so much more. And if we would just adhere to what it is that God has for us, there's so much more joy to be found in the Lord than just, I got my ticket punched. I'll come to church when I feel like it. Don't tell me what to do. Okay, you can play that game, but I do believe you're playing on a very thin line. And whether you're saved or not, I still think there's gonna be consequences either way. Now, granted, I would, have, I would much rather have the consequences be at the judgment seat of Christ than I would at the great white throne judgment. I will agree with that 100%. However, there's still consequences. Okay? And, and we need to understand that. And I think that's where the church as a whole, Brother uh, Robert preached for the last, what, four weeks, five weeks on La- the Laodicean church. That's the problem today. We live in a Laodicean church. We are all about ourselves. It is all about us. And listen, you have to understand. When you look at that, at those seven church churches that Robert has spent uh, a good, well over a year talking about, listen. When you get to the Laodicean church, it's the church of the Laodiceans. D- do you understand that? That's where. We, why? Why is it the church of the Laodiceans? Because something's happened. That didn't happen in those first six churches. Those six churches, Christ was in them. People were the ones that were out of it. When you get get to Laodicea, something has happened. The people are in the church, and Christ is the one on the outside knocking to get in. That's very scary. Okay? This, This Laodicea mentality that we have today, where we just think... I'll just do the best I can, and we'll let God take care of it in the end. He is going to take care of it in the end. That should worry you. That shouldn't be a hunky-dory, that's all good, I'm good, yeah, I know I do those things, I get it, ah, yeah, oh, yeah, I know. God hates sin. He hates it, and there is going to be a consequence for it. Okay, now, maybe the consequence, if you truly are biblically saved, maybe the consequence isn't hell. But the consequence is going to be for living for self. And the living for self is going to cause us to lose rewards. Okay, And, and even then, be careful. Don't make the rewards about you. Because if you make the rewards about you, you're also missing out on what the whole point is. What we need to understand is is that none of this is about you. At, when I say did I say none? Let me say it again. None of this is about you at all. It never was. It never will be. And it never can be. It's about him all the way. It's the, for his glory. And when you you know when you look at Revelation chapter four and you look at Revelation five. It's very clear. All things were created for what? His glory, His purpose, His, it's all for Him. We have a big problem with that, especially in America. There are going to be people on that day that are going to be naked and ashamed. And unfortunately, listen, listen, and just hear hear the pastor's heart on this, okay? Yes, yes and other churches out there. But I think people right in this room here are going to be struggling with, are struggling with that and are going to have a hard time with that when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ. And I pray, I pray that we grab onto this. This is why me and Robert preaches. We're not preaching lordship salvation. We talked about this last week. That's not what we're preaching. What we're preaching is, okay, now that you're saved, what are you doing with it? Because you are supposed to do something with it. God didn't just save you so you could be free and have liberty to do what you want, and eh, when you mess up, just confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you all. That's, that's very, very incorrect theology. No. We need to cleanse ourselves. We need to work out our own salvation with trembling and fear. What does that mean? Does that mean I need to work for salvation? No. That's why you need to understand the difference between justification Sanctification. You need to understand the difference between the two. Is justification easy? For you, yeah. It is. It's believing and receiving in in what the Lord did on that cross. Was it hard for him? He gave up everything for it. Okay. But is it easy for you? Yeah. Yeah, it is. There ain't nothing hard about that. Just believe and receive the proper biblical message. And that's salvation, man, okay? The question is now, what are you going to do with it? Because if you just stay there, that's where the fine line comes, and I or, or, or each other, as we're, we're ministering to one another, I can't see. I, there's no evidence of your salvation, and so therefore, that's what makes it difficult to get through the lines, You should be producing fruit, John 15. Okay, when you're producing fruit, then that is how we are going to know somebody has gone through or is going through that sanctification process. There should be visible evidence of your salvation. Because when you put aside your own wants and needs for his wants and needs, that's going to be visible to everybody. I'd much rather see that because that's visible evidence, of visible evidence of salvation. That's what is going to make me and Pastor Robert go, okay, man, good. I see evidence here. This is good. I'd rather see that than be like, I think he's saved. He talks right. I don't know. I come to church. That's good, right? That's got to be a good thing, right? Fruit. Fruit is the key. And when we say fruit, make sure we understand what biblical fruit is. Biblical fruit is winning people to Christ, building them up with their faith, and sending them out to do the same thing. That's where biblical fruit comes in. And the only way you're going to do that in a biblical way is that sanctification process. That's how you're going to do it. Okay? And that's, listen, let's be honest, most of y'all, if, if I just, and again, this isn't to pump up this church. This isn't to pump up me. This isn't to pump up Robert. That's not what we're doing at all. But I'm just asking you, be honest. In other churches that you have gone to, were they, were they pushing the justification and not the sanctification? Because I bet you that's 99% of churches. And, and great, I'm not saying people aren't getting saved in those churches. I'm not the judge. What I am saying, though, is... But are they? And I promise you this, if they are, that judgment seat of Christ ain't going to go so well for them. Something ain't going something to, ain't the, the, the lines aren't, or the dots aren't being connected. Uh, and that's just the truth of the matter. Uh, it's scary to me when you're talking to people that they don't even know what the judgment seat of Christ is. <laughs> that's not good. That's Laodicean. That is the very definition of what Laodicea is. The people in the Laodicean church are, they could be saved. If any man, knock, I will come in and sup with them. But do note that that Laodicean church is, is, filled with a, is filled with a bunch of unsaved people. They are naked. They are wretched. They cannot see. Those are all things that are uh, uh, associated with an unsaved individual. Uh, when you look at Second Peter chapter 1, when it talks about that, those levels of spiritual growth, when you see how a person should be going through those levels of spiritual growth, you know, he, he caps it off, if you will. He goes, if you do these things, you will not fall. But if you don't do these things, you are blind and you cannot see afar off. Colossians 3 is nowhere in your radar. Seek those things that are above. Cause why? Because you're too busy seeking the things down here. And Jesus said it eloquently, did he not? Lay your treasures where? It's not about stuff. Not about you. It's all about him. And so we need to get to the place of understanding that. So we've, we've been talking about what is biblical salvation? The first thing that happens is you have to understand what we are. And we've spent Quite a few weeks talking about what we were. I really believe that if you don't know what you truly are, you could never understand biblical salvation in the first place. I believe that because you got to know what you are. You got to know that you're unrighteous. You got to know that you're corrupted. You got to know that your image and your likeness is fallen into the image and likeness of Adam. You got to know that your soul, your very soul, Is the base? You got to know that your spirit is dead; therefore, it is darkened. You got to know that you are dead. I'm walking. You're a dead man or woman walking. I'm good. None good. No, not one. Well, I'm righteous. None righteous. All of our righteousness is as filthy. Rat. that's how God sees you. Wait a minute, I thought God loved me. He does love you. He paid the price so that couldn't, don't, doesn't have to beat you anymore. But that doesn't mean that's not what you are. And we all have that problem. We all have a pride problem. We all have a sin problem. We all are miserable, We all are, we are not good. There's nothing good about us. In our flesh dwells no good thing. You say, man, pastor, you're you're, you're really putting us down today. Yes, that's what the Bible does. It has to tear you down. We got to be teared down. We got to become naked so that he can clothe us with his righteousness, not yours. You gotta take it off. If you look at the Bible, every time Paul's talking, whenever he, he's always telling, put these things off. Take you got, if, if he's telling you to put it off, that must mean you have it on. Put it off, and then, and only then, can God start to build you back up to what you're supposed to be. But that's going to That's going to require some serious sacrifice on your part. That's where when Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. That's where Jesus is saying, pick up your cross daily. You have to put yourself to death. How much of it? Hey, church, listen. Listen. Either you do or you don't. How that shakes out in the end between you and the Lord, that's not up to me. Never was, never will be. All I can do is tell you, man, do not live that Laodicean in life because the consequences of it are bad. One way or the other, it's bad. It just is. And I, and Robert, we don't want you to go to the judgment seat of Christ with, if that's even where you go, with that on you. It is going to require sacrifice. That doesn't mean uh, I or, or, or Robert is saying question your salvation all the time. We talked about this last week. no. If you, if you have put your trust and faith in him, if you have put your trust and faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, if you have believed that, and if you receive received that, and if you understand what you are, you are a sinner. You couldn't save yourself if you wanted to. You couldn't save yourself if you could. There's nothing you can do. You recognize how much God hates sin. You are going to repent of that sin. Turn away from it, and if you are going to now start to walk in his commandments, hey, that's salvation. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It really is. You don't have to do anything. How much more simple do you want to get? Put your trust and faith in him. Receive what he did. Turn away from your sin and stop living like the old man, that you used to be and start living like the new man you've been called to be. Simple, but now you know where it gets hard, right? Actually doing it, if any man be in Christ, what? He's a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, how much? All things become new. You want to know if you're biblically saved? You wanna know? Has all things in your life become new? Are you still doing the same stupid stuff over and over and over again that you used to do? Or has something changed? Has something changed? That's why at a church like this, we're going to teach some very important principles like virtue. Virtue is a big deal. You don't add anything to your walk of faith until you add virtue. Because if you do, if you try to add things before you add virtue, you're going to get out of order, and what's going to happen is you're going to get too smart for your own good. You understand what I'm saying? That's what happens with a lot of people today. I've seen it way too many times, man. They... I'm saved. They start reading the Bible. They think they know something. They start to learn something. They don't really understand what they're learning. They think they understand what they're learning. And they start telling everybody what they know. And all of a sudden, the knowledge puffs them up. And all of a sudden, they're smarter than everybody else, even smarter than the preacher. I've seen that happen way too many times. And I'm telling you what happens when people go down that road. You will fall. It's coming. Pride comes before a fall. And I'm telling you. I've seen it way too many times. I've seen it in good men. I've seen it in good women. Don't let knowledge puff you up. Don't let it happen. And in a church like this, that's where our trouble begins. Because we are a church that teaches biblical truth. We are a church that keeps this Bible as the uh, main authority. Okay, So you are going to get to learn some knowledge here. But don't ever let that surpass your initial thing that you should be doing, and that is being virtuous. So, one of the one of the ways that we like to teach virtue around here, because I think that's biblical, okay, is don't forsake the assembly. That's virtue that's virtue. Don't don't God calls us, first Corinthians 16, if you don't believe me, he calls us to come together on the first day of the week for the gathering of the saints, to do what? Anybody know? Huh? Assemble, yeah. What else? Collection of the saints. What do we call that? Tithing. Yeah, man, we're called to do it. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it, I'm just telling you, that's what we're called to do. We're called to come together on the first day of the week so that we can learn the word of God, learn what we're supposed to be, and and for the collection of the saints. End of story. Now, whether you like that or not, whether you believe that or not, all I'm telling you is that's what this book teaches. No, it doesn't. We're not supposed to tithe. Really? Well, what is the collection of the saints then? Call it whatever you want. You, don't, you, you want to go with that whole, the Jews tithe, we don't tithe stuff? I've heard all the stories. I've heard all the arguments. I'm just telling you the way God does this. Okay? Your money is a big deal, and God knows your heart through your money. How often do I preach about tithing around here? Not very often. Huh? You know, I'm not about your money. Listen, all I can say is, all I can say is, God has blessed this church over and over. We should not be here. I don't know that you guys really understand. This does not happen often in the church house, okay? When a plant is made of a church where you did not get sent by an outside church, okay? And by the way, that's... Stop, we gotta stop that too. I've heard that way too many times. Well, unless you're you're sent by another church, you're not a church. Where did it say that in the Bible? i have never read that. When when Paul planted his first church, was he planted was he sent by a church? <laughs> Come on, man. That's ridiculous. The Bible does not say that. No. You have to build the foundation of the church. That's the key. As long as you're doing it. The Ephesians way, Ephesians is the revealing of the church. Where does it say you need to be sent by another church? Uh, No, that's garbage. I don't believe that at all. And the reason why I don't believe that at all is because we were not sent by another church, and look at us. Tell me God's not blessing this church. Tell me he's not. Yes, he is. I know he is. I've watched way too many unbelievable things happen to this church that there's, there's no way anybody, I certainly didn't do it. But listen, we have got to practice virtue. We have got to make church a priority to us. You want to know why? Can I tell you why? Because Pastor Frank told you to? Because I I don't like on Sunday mornings or Thursday nights, I don't like looking out in the crowd and seeing empty seats. That's why. Listen, I promise you, okay, I promise you, put my wife and my kid in front of me and I'll preach. That's all I need. I'm not here to get more people in the seats if you don't want to be here. If you don't want to be here, stay home. I'm not not trashing any of you. You understand what I'm saying. I'm just saying, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. If there's somewhere else you'd rather be, hey, man, go, go. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You're not going to hurt Robert's feelings. Okay, now, Me and Robert are going to be upset about that because of what we want for you. That's different. You're not going to hurt my feelings for not being here. I'm just going to feel bad for you that you're not here because you're not doing what the Lord has called you to do. do. Do you understand? Virtue is a very key element. I mean, that's what Proverbs 31 is all about for real. Okay, God is looking for... A virtuous woman. And do you know the church is a woman. From a, I know men, that, 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 that doesn't hit us very well, but get it, we are the bride of Christ. We are called to virtue. And, and, and the crazy part is, is God looked for, for a, vir- a virtuous woman and he could only find one. And is that one going to be you? Listen, we are called to assemble. We are called to bring our collection of the saints because there is a work to get done. God doesn't need your money. God will get the work done whether you give or you don't. What God is looking for is are you willing to cash in on what his investment is? That's what he's looking for. The money that you made? Where'd you get that from? Better know that. In case you didn't hear what he just said, it's at him because he's right. He's the one that gave you the ability to work that job in the first place. He's the one that gave you the hands. He's the one that gave you the feet. He's the one that gave you the eyes. He's the one that gave you the brain. He's the one that gave you all that. You wouldn't do any of that if it wasn't for him. But you'll never get that if it's all about you. See, it's my money. I'll do it with my money. Listen, do you know what the word tithe means? It's a tenth. Okay, that is Old Testament. Can I? Can I? Will argue. You're right. I will argue till the moon goes home. I'll argue this point. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right. The tithe was for the Old Testament Jew. You want to know what happens in the New Testament? God loves a cheerful giver. See, the Old Testament Jew wasn't saved like you were. I would say a tenth. Maybe that's not enough. What did the Lord do for you, man? How much do you believe in him? How much? How much are you willing to give because of what? Do you, no disrespect, and just hear me out, okay? Do, do you know what kind of house I could have right now if I wasn't tithed into this church? Huh? I mean, it was all about the money, man. Dang. Let's go. Come on. Phil's all about the money, man. We wouldn't even be here right now, man. We'd be still back at the FBC and me and Robert would be getting more money. I'd be putting more, more money into our, our pockets. Listen, man, I don't know what other churches you've been to, but this church ain't about that. It never will be. Okay, I promise you, your money's going where it's supposed to go. Have we made some mistakes along the way? Sure. But God keeps blessing us, man. <laughs> he keeps blessing us. I don't know why, but he does. Well, I do know why. He's blessing us because we're committed to this book. Okay, and if you stay committed to this book, that's what's going to happen. But I'm just asking, do you want to invest and be a part of something that is bigger than you? Well, if you do, I can just promise you there's nothing more important to invest in, nothing more important that would be bigger than you than God. And your virtue is going to show forth from that. It's going to flow from your heart. It's not a matter of, oh, I need to give, dang it. It's going to be a matter of, I want to give. You want evidence of salvation, I'm just helping you. I'm just helping you. When your money's not that important to you anymore, when his church is more important to you. because you, Listen, he died for this thing. Who did? Who, who did? And it's good to say Christ, because that's true. But I want you to really hear it. God died. He per- He It cost him something to purchase this thing. You want evidence of biblical salvation? Can I just say, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, (laughs) present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Can I just help you with what's going to? And listen, you don't give. You don't come to church because you're being told to do it. You come to church and you give because you want to. You should. That's going to start to separate the lines of where you are and how you can understand if you're biblically saved or not. That should be in your heart. It should never be a question. And if you question it, I'm not saying you're not saved. What I'm saying is, why would you question it? What, do you think that God can't take care of your needs? I could tell you stories of me and my wife, man. I could tell you stories. I drove around in a red pickup truck that I didn't even know if the thing would start every day. That thing was an old... Honestly, the thing I didn't know every day when I went outside if it would even start. Honestly, I'm serious. There were times, man, I remember we didn't even have the money to pay an electric bill. And we were, we were gone. That was back when my wife would, took care of the bills. That was a bad idea. <laughs> Joking. Listen, but no, seriously though, we, we just didn't have the money to pay an electric bill. And it was either we pay the electric bill or we tithe. Which one are we going to do? And we tithe. That's what we did. Uh, right? Remember? And we just said, the Lord will work out the electric bill. <laughs> it'll, it'll, what am I going to do? Turn off the le- electric? I mean, what, in a couple of weeks, we'll be able to turn it back on and we can pay it again. I mean, it is what it is you remember? What happened the very next day? The very next day in our mailbox, we got a, uh, what do you get from the house? What do you get from your equity? We got an equity check the very next day for 1250 bucks. Did not know it was coming, had no clue. We just tied and said, and boom. Listen, man, I'm just telling you, I promise you, God knows your needs before you know them yourself. Just submit to him. Just submit to him and just watch. and Listen, is he always going to do that? No. I'm not saying that's the claim it and name it kind of stuff. I ain't saying that. I'm just saying be faithful to him. He'll be faithful to you. He just will. I promise you he will. There will always be a way. That's part of why you have a church family. I mean, do you ever th- do you, do you think that this church family would ever let you go without electric? Do you? Listen, I'll give you the check myself on my own pocket if I had to. Just do what you know to do is right. We have done a lot around here to help people. And I will continue to do that as much as I have breath in me. Because I believe there's an importance. I believe that's what God's money's for. It's to help one another. Listen, now be careful. Be careful. You know, I think that, you know, you could get on the street and things like that. And I ain't saying, man, I'm not saying don't help a homeless person out. I ain't saying that. What I am saying is, do know that 90% of the money that you give to a homeless person is probably going towards drugs or alcohol. Right. It's just the truth of the matter. And they'll sit there and they'll have the little signs up, help me, I need this. And I ain't saying don't help them. You do what you want to do. I'm just saying be careful. God didn't call you to do that. I know you may think he did. Well, he says to help the poor. Where? In the church house. Help the poor in the church house. Not help the poor that doesn't want to go to work and work for... The Bible also says, the Bible also says if you're not willing to work for your, for your place... <laughs> you know, listen. No. D- do you understand what I'm saying? Just be be careful with that. Don't don't you know? I see stuff on Facebook. I think I just saw somebody hop on one of our Facebook pages a couple weeks back, saying how they're have this, they have this, they have that. oh anybody could help. Don't don't no. I guarantee you that person probably doesn't need a dollar. They're probably breaking it in because of people like you giving them money. And if they're not, don't don't let that hurt your walk. We help one another in the church house. That's what we're called to do. That's where it's supposed to go. And, and, and I think this church does it quite well. Claude has been very, very good about making sure, uh, and, and all of our treasurers for that matter, have been very, we do, I mean, look, we almost already raised $6,000 from Malawi. This is a very giving church. I am very, very blessed to be a part of a church with all of you. Honestly. It it really is. But you remember what I told you a couple weeks ago? I don't care how good we do something. I'm going to keep preaching to you to do better. Because we can always do better. We can always do better. This is, this is, virtue is a part of salvation, man. It's showing forth. Uh, You know, I love how Pastor Trotter said it. He really helped me understand the real logistics of what virtue is. It's Just do what you know is right. Stop doing the things that you know is wrong and start doing the things that you know is right. And I promise you, I promise you, start coming to church. Start tithing the way you should. And I promise you, watch how God will bless you and watch how God will take care of things even when you didn't think he could. He just will. I'm telling you, he just will. I've seen it. I've watched it. It happened in my own life. I'm living evidence of it. I'm telling you he will. You don't do it so that he will bless you. Mm -hmm. Do you understand that? Don't do it so that he'll bless you because then he probably won't bless you. Do it because you just know it's the right thing to do. And then let God do do what he does. Do you understand? Listen. Listen. We have to understand that justification is what took place on the day we got saved. You did nothing to earn that. You did nothing to gain that. He did it all. But what happens after justification does depend on you. Now it is. The ball is in your court. And that's what sanctification is all about. It's setting, it's allowing him To use you. It's taking that vessel, the potter, you know, Jeremiah 18, the potter's clay, right? It's it's letting the potter take the clay and do what first with it? Huh? You know what's interesting? You know know what they call the very center of uh, of a vessel? When a potter's, you want to know what they call the very center of it? They call it the heart like god knows what he's doing pictures right he loves to teach us in pictures and what he says is i'm the potter you're the clay i gotta pound you i gotta reform you and what happens every now and then while he's doing that while he's spinning that what happens starts to get kind of hard what do you got to do pour a little more water on there oh i wonder what they call the bible I think they call it washing with the word yeah exactly pour a little water on there so you can become more pliable and God is plying and he's molding and he's 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 directing you if he will he's getting that vessel the way he wants it why Paul says in first Thessalonians 4 why is he doing that so that you will be meat m-e-e-t for the master's use so that you will no longer be the vessel that you once were that vessel gets broken torn and defeated Leviticus anybody remember when we talked about that get break that vessel get rid of that vessel and turn it into something that is worthy and beautiful that's what sanctification is that's what God needs to do in you and I'm telling you he can't do that if you are not in church you say yes I can I can do it at home all by myself really then why did God give you pastors what is the point of God giving you a pastor and do you have a pastor and I'm, say, I'm not saying that that you can say well I'm in this church yeah you and Robert are, are we though are we your pastors do you come to us when you have, need spiritual advice or do you just take it on your own and do your own thing and that's fine if you want to do that. But there's a reason why God gave you me and Robert. I, I feel like we probably should be hearing from most of you more than we do. I guess you're all are just going down, you're all doing good. And I hope you are. I do believe you can go to your discipler. But that would require you're in discipleship. Are you in discipleship? Are you being discipled? Are you discipling? These are, you're asking, what are evidence of salvation? I'm telling you. What evidence of salvation is. What does the Bible say? If you love me, did he command us to be disciples? How do you know they love me and be my disciples indeed? Right? Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.2, I can't, or Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2, excuse me. I can't make it any more clear. There's, no, there's, there's not much more clear than what that passage is calling us to do in discipleship. If you're not in discipleship, I'm going to ask you very, very seriously, why? What? What are you doing? I'm not mad at you. Robert's not mad at you. I'm not mad, but I am going to go, how could you be in this church as long as you've been in this church and not be involved in discipleship? Either you are discipling or you are being discipled. I would argue you should be doing both. You should be being discipled. I don't care who you are. Pastor, is he being discipled? Yeah. I talk to Billy once or twice a week, man. I always ask him questions about stuff. I'm always in conversation with him about stuff. If I can do it, I feel like I know the Bible pretty well. I feel like I can hold my own when I talk to Billy. I feel it. But you know what? Bro's been a pastor a lot longer than I have. He's a lot more experienced than I have. I'm not going to trump and think that I'm smarter than him. That would be foolish on my part. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? I'm asking you all the same thing. Why would you not do? I love the Lord. Do you? Then why aren't you doing what he's called you to do? Why not? You know, Jesus says, when I, come, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? We sang this morning about the second coming of Christ. We sang this morning about the rapture. Listen, if it happened right now, would the Lord find you faithful in all things or just a few things? And let me ask you, if he found you faithful in just a few things, do you think that's good enough? Because that's the lukewarm Christian. Do you understand? No, man. Be faithful in all things. Don't be faithful because I'm telling you to do it. Although I am telling you to do it. I'm encouraging you to do it because that is what we are called to do. It needs to not be something you, oh, if I don't do it, pastor's just going to keep hammering on it. If that's why you're doing it, please stop. Just stop. Stop. No, you should be doing it because you want to do it. You want to, man. It is, it is such a part of you. And I'm just telling you because this is what the Lord has called you to do. I don't care how much you think you know about the Bible. I don't care how deep into discipleship you've ever been. I, I don't care. You should be discipled and you should be being discipled. That never, let me repeat that word just in case you never, that should never end. That should be an ongoing thing. Always. Why? Because discipleship is where accountability takes place. And we more than ever need to be held accountable. We just do, man. If we are left to our own devices, I promise you what's going to happen. You aren't going to be virtuous in the things that you should be virtuous in. You aren't going to be, because you're not held accountable to it. Right? You're just not. Why are you hammering on this, pastor? Because this is what true biblical salvation, the evidence of it is. These are evidences of salvation. It just is. Because this is what you should be doing. Biblically. This is what you should be doing. I'm not saying you're not saved if you're not doing it. Don't hear me wrong, I didn't say that. What I said though is is it certainly will give you evidences that you are. Listen. We have to understand that we were corrupted We were, our soul is debased, our spirit is darkened, our body is dead. So what has to take place? What has to take place is there has to be a time and place in your life when you called on the name of the Lord in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and you trusted and believed in what his work was done on that cross, that you recognized that you were a sinner, you were destined for a devil's hell that you could do nothing to save yourself you gave it all over to him and you repented of your sin you turned from it you believed in what he did on that cross and you received it you put yourself on that cross too you said you know what i'm dead i'm dead and what happened on that day is through the election of God, by the way, the election was Christ, not you. Through the election of Christ, he moved inside of you. This is what Ephesians 1.12 is talking about, and this is why we're talking about it. He moved inside of you as your faith was turned over to him. You went through a conversion. You were converted. You were born again. Your dead spirit became quickened alive, the Holy Spirit moved, I'm preaching Romans 6 right now if you need help, okay the, dead, the Holy Spirit moved inside of your dead body and he made you alive, you were regenerated you were transformed and if you need to be revived from that, then I say you know what I ain't saying you ain't saved, but dang it really really Come on. Why would you need to be revived? Why, what, why do you need to be revived from that? Why would me or Robert have to revive you? No, man. A transformed life is going to be a life on, you, you remember what Leviticus 6? Keep the fire burning. Don't ever let it go out. Don't ever let it go out. Keep the fire ever burning. Come on, man. The Holy Spirit is the fire of God on you. Do you understand that? You remember when you went into the tabernacle and you went over to the left? what did you have to do? Light up that menorah so that you could be illuminated and see, right? Well, how do you light it up? With what? They turn the electric on? No, with fire, man. Fire. Keep the fire burning. You have been born again. You have been regenerated. You have been transformed. God took you from a devil's hell and he put you into his marvelous kingdom. You didn't deserve that. He deserves everything from you and more. I should not have to keep dwind- Y'all heard me say this before. I'm going to say it again. I should not have to look out in the crowd when we're singing on a Sunday morning and see this. No, man. Are you happy with what he did for you? Let's sing about it, man. He wants to hear. I can't sing. He don't care. You think he cares if you can sing? He wants your praises. Now, I ain't saying get all Pentecostal up in this place and start running up and down and give me some barking and stuff like that. What I'm saying is, though, is come on, man. Are you happy for what he did for you? You didn't deserve it. There's got to be more than. Yeah. <laughs> You're white. You're out of place, man. That's not even the same. Would Do you understand what I'm saying? Come on, guys. Are we not happy for what he did or not? And by the way, can I just tell you, if that's how you are on Sunday, While we are actually praising the Lord for real, it's probably what you are when you walk out the door and it's probably like you are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday too. You just don't have any joy. You just really don't care what he did for you. You're just going to play it. Is that hard? It should be. Come on, man. Don't be a bunch of dead bums. Is that the right word? Sounds good. Don't. Come on. We got to get we shouldn't have to pump you up. You should come in pumped up already. You should be like, we're going to praise the Lord this morning. Amen. I mean, he only wrote 150 Psalms to the importance of praising him. I know though it's not that important. It is that important. Do you realize and do you recognize there is no singing in heaven right now? Do you realize and you recognize that all the praise to the Lord comes right now down here? Yep. Yeah. Well, I can't wait till I get to heaven. Do you even understand what you're going to be doing in heaven? Yeah. I guarantee you when you're in heaven, you ain't going to be sitting there going. Yeah. Oh, that was good. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> my son when he wakes up first in the morning he, you know alright ladies cover your ears for a second guys at some point little boys go through a thing that happened to them and their voice drops y'all know what I'm talking about alright okay Peyton now when he goes oh uh, good morning good uh, morning that's, that's, I'm like, dude, I can't even understand what you're saying. God, thank you, brother. Amen. I'm like, dude, I don't even know what you just said. Can you like speak English so I can hear you? It's just hilarious. Love the kid to death, but you got, you know, he's, he's figuring it out. He's got to figure out that man thing. Uh, but listen, man, we have been called to something so much more. And can I just tell you, those nine spiritual blessings that he gives to us, don't just take those for granted. They will bring so much joy in your life. They will bring so much understanding in your life. It will bring you such a peace in your life that passes all understanding. But you have to, you got to do something more than just, I go to church, I'm good. No. There is a d- dying world out there that needs to hear about the Christ that's in you. Right. But they're never going to know the Christ is in you if you can't even sing him a song without joy in your heart. It's just not going to happen, man. I'm just telling you. It just isn't. We have been redeemed. We were sold into sin. Jesus paid a price to buy you out of that and redeem you. He has reconciled you. You were an enemy of God. Do you understand that? Do, do you really understand that? Let me try that again. Do you really understand that you were an enemy of... Do you hear what I said? Enmity. You were an enemy of God. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. You were not just an enemy of God. You were already condemned. The wrath of God was already abiding on you. That's what you were. If that's not enough to get you up out of your seat jumping for joy... I can't help you. You are, certainly aren't going to help yourself. No. This is what you were. His propitiation. Do you know what a propitiation is? It's a bloody sacrifice that he did on that cross. Saved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. He commended his love towards you. How can that not... If all that is is important to you on Sunday, you missed it. And I would argue, I would argue that most people, I pray not in this church house, but most people in the church house today, they're there for selfish reasons. What is the church going to give to me? Well, it's an hour and a half. I get my... Not even an hour and a half. Maybe... Who knows what they're doing. They get to watch my kids. It just gives me a time away from my kids for a little while. And the pastor, he's funny. He makes me laugh. So yeah, let's go to church. No, man. That's not what church is. That's not why we are commanded to come together. We are commanded to come together to learn about what it is we're supposed to be so that we can go do it. No disrespect, Chris. Don't, don't, don't take what I'm about to say, uh, ugly. Just hear me. Listen, I don't think Jesus Christ would have woke up on, on Saturday morning and said, it's going to rain out. I'm not going to go preach to people. I bet you he's out there preaching. Where are we? What are we doing? We're going to worry about some rain? No, don't take that. I'm just being honest. Listen, man. Come on. When is this going to be real for us? What if yesterday was our last day? What if the rapture happened last night? I'm just asking. Now, they weren't there, but I guarantee you if they were there, half of you wouldn't have been there either. Let's be honest. Because it's always the same 10 people. Am I wrong? It's always the same people. Where's everybody else? What, well, I don't do it corporately. I, I'd just rather do it by Are you doing it by yourself? Because I bet you aren't. If you won't do it corporately, I guarantee you ain't doing it on your own. Why are you preaching so hard cuz you know I'm right? And I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter what I say or how I say it. It's true, and in the end we're all going to pay a price for it. It's what we were called to do. Nothing else. There is I give a lot to this church. Well, good, so do I. But if I am not a part of the process of what the purpose of the church is in the first place, then what does it matter what I gave? I don't, you could give millions of dollars to this church and God still ain't going to be like, oh, yeah, and, and who did you win to Christ? That's going to be far more on the totem pole. I can promise you that. Yes, I believe there will be. I do love a you're forgiver. I do believe that that's probably true. But I'm just telling you, man, okay, We need to be about what he's about. We just need to be. Don't worry about your pride. Don't worry about what you can't do. Don't worry about what you can do. Just worry about what you're supposed to do. And God will take care of the rest. He always will. Well, I don't know what to say to people. Well, good. Maybe if you hung around some of the other people who have been saying it to other people for such a long time, you'll learn what to say. I remember, man, I remember when I I first started going to school uh, for for, uh, pastoral theology back at North Star Bible Institute in New York, I I remember when I looked at my thing, of the things I had to do, one of the things I had to do was for four semesters, I had to go out in downtown Rochester and preach. (laughs) I was like, I ain't going to do that. There ain't no way I'm doing that. That is not going to happen. I am not going to stand up at a podium in downtown Rochester in front of a bunch of people and start preaching. That ain't happening. Ain't going to happen. I used to laugh at people like that. I ain't doing that. No, that's ridiculous. I ain't doing that. Well, I had to do it. And can I tell you something? The first time I did it, when I was done, I loved it. I was like, man, that was awesome. Awesome it was a lot more easier than I thought it was going to be to the point that I loved it so much I even ran Chris with me a couple times. (laughs) Listen, man, just do what he's called you to do and he is going to give you the peace that you need to get through it. Do you trust him or not? Do you think he's going to put you in a position of what he's called you to do and then make it so that it's difficult on you? I ain't saying you aren't going to have difficult times. I ain't saying there aren't going to be people that are going to come against you. Oh, you better bet that's going to happen. But what does that have to do with you? They did it to him. Okay, good. You just got to be what, you just got to experience what Jesus experienced. You want to know what Peter would have thought of that? Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't even deserve to be crucified the same way my Lord was crucified. Crucify me upside down. Listen. Where is that? So, so listen. Uh, why, what is the, how can we wrap this up in a nice bow? And and obviously, uh, you know, I I would highly suggest that you take the time to go through this packet. This would take me weeks, months to go through this in a a proper way. I'm giving you the information so that you can uh, hopefully do some of your own study in it, but Listen, if I were going to wrap this all up, and I'm going to be in Philippians 3 here in a second. If I was going to wrap this all up, I would say this. What we need to do, if we're just going to make this as simple as possible, we just need to make sure we know the difference between just going to heaven when we die and knowing Jesus, and Jesus knowing you. We need to know the difference between the two. If, if your salvation is just about, well, I don't go to hell, Mm-mm. it's to know Jesus, to know eternal life is not about a place. It's about a person. Do you understand that? And it's not you know him, he, it's as it is. You need to know him, but he needs to know you too. He does know me, does he? Does he? You've heard me give the examples before. You know, listen, man, when I was a kid, I could tell you everything about Emmett Smith. I had, I, knew, I had bro's football cards. I watched him on TV. I know where he went to high school. I could tell you his college stats. I could tell you his pro stats. I could tell you everything about Amit Smith, but I promise you if I walked down the street and I saw Amit Smith and I said, hey, Amit, he'd be like, who the heck are you? Just knowing about somebody's not enough. It isn't, and it never will be. They need to know you too. And that is part of what it is. It's it's about understanding the importance of giving up all of you so that he can have all of him in you. That's what biblical salvation is about. If you don't believe me, I promise you, take that statement and just start reading what Paul's saying. That's what he's saying, and I fear that is not what's being taught in churches today. At the end of the day, understanding what biblical salvation is, it's going to help us understand, as simple as little things like this, how to have a successful marriage. Huh? Because the bride of Christ and his relationship with Jesus is a picture of our relationship to Jesus. It's a picture of our marriages. Or our marriage should be picturing that. You wanna know why our marriages isn't picturing that? Because we don't understand it ourselves. We don't understand what our relationship is supposed to look like. We think our relationship with Christ is, I come to church, I'm good. I got my ticket punched, I'm good. Now tell me a funny story, pastor. Make me feel happy about myself. Make me enjoy myself when I walk out of church today so that for the next hour I can pretend like I was a Christian. I won't live like a Christian the rest of the week, but let's not worry about that. I'll be back here next Sunday. If you really think that's what Christianity is about, I promise you, we're missing it. As, as much as you must know, God is not a God of the gray area. He is not, let me repeat that. If Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, 22, 21, 22, somewhere in there, the Laodicean church, if that is not letting you know that God wants nothing to do with the gray area, I don't know what else or where else you need to, I don't know what you need to do. 2 Timothy 3, laying it out there for you, man. The number one problem in the church today is men are going to be lovers of their own selves, and they are. We just are. We're lovers of our own selves. We have a form of godliness, but we're denying the power thereof. If that doesn't awake you and go, well, gosh, I hope that's not me. Well, if you're hoping it's not you, listen, I can tell you right now, it's not me. I have no no I know that I love me 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 I know that and I know that I got to kill that every single day it's not me if you're sitting there going well I hope it's not me no you may know him you may know you have everlasting life salvation should never be something you question you should know it You I ain't saying you still ain't doing stupid stuff God knows I do stupid stuff. Still to this day, I say stupid things. I say I, things I shouldn't have said. I do stupid things. I can't. But what? But, but do you know that you ain't supposed to do that? Does, does God go, well, dude? Not that God would say dude, but you get what I'm saying. Like, why are you doing that? What's wrong with you? Come on, man. You're built and made for so much better. Huh? God is black and white. Either you are for him or you are against him. End of story. Where are you in that story? Well, I'm saved. Well, good. Then you should be for him all the time. Not just some of the time. And if you are just some of the time, I'm not saying you're not saved. Don't hear me wrong. What I'm saying is, though, is why? Why? Was he for you just some of the time? Or was he for you all the time? Question that might be worth. Who you live for and how you live really does matter. And whether you believe that today, one day you're going to realize just how real it really was when you are standing before him i promise you it is going to really matter it's not one step for him and one step in the world that is not what he's calling us to do either he's getting all the glory or he's getting none which one is it huh and listen don't do it for me don't do it for robert or this church That's not why you should do it. You should do it because of what he did for you. I didn't do it for you. He did it for you. You should give him. You should want it. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Did I write that? Were those words that I wrote? No. If you have love, if you have one foot in the world, and every now and then you put one foot for him on Sunday morning for an hour, which one do you think is going to grab your attention more? That's where Satan wants you, man. He is the little G God of this world. you put one foot in the world, I promise you he's going to pull you right in. He's going to pull you right in. But hey, man, I got my Sunday morning church on. Yeah, i go listen to that pastor scream at me for an hour and a half and he said amen. That's good. That's Well, if you listen to this pastor scream at me for an hour and a half and You don't want to live it, then that's the point. That's the point. What's the point? What's the point? All my screaming is for nothing. Huh? If you want the good pastor, come see that. Let me see that. And I you can put a hammer down. You can put the hammer down. You can put the hammer down. I said. The president, the president, the president, the the president, even looking at it Old Testament without even looking at it could you imagine that's 39 books could you imagine being able to I can't memorize verses really Who's, who's the one that gave you the brain Well, you just don't know, Pastor. I did this, I did that in my life. Yeah, well, so did I. I've I've hit my head up against some water quite a few times and had a concussion. I play football. You know how many concussions I had? Listen, I'm just telling you, you submit to the Lord, you watch what he can do. He's the one that made you. We are such a... There's a nice way to say this, and then there's a... I'm just going to say it because that's the way I am. Listen... We are such a bunch of punks. We make more excuses than I've ever heard in my life about everything. We have an excuse for everything or why we can't do something. I can't do that. We can't do that. That ain't going to happen. Whoa, I can't do that. Well, I can't. You don't understand, Pastor. I do understand. What, you think I was not unsaved? I get it. I understand. I can't is a swear word, it's the worst one. I'd read, not that I would, because I do think filthy communication out of your mouth is wrong. You shouldn't swear, okay? Okay, I do agree with that. But I tell you right now what I think the number one swear word is, is I can't as a Christ follower. Because I, I remember I read in the Bible where it says I can do all things through Christ. Can you or not? What do you mean you can't? I can't go out and knock on doors and talk to people about Christ. You want to know why you can't? Because you think you can't. Because you're right. You can't. But I got an idea. How about you let the Christ in you work? Because if you do, then you can. The very power that raised Jesus from the grave is this very power that works inside of you. The very power that made the universe is inside of you. What do you mean you can't? What are you talking about you can't? Yes, You can. Paul was a Pharisee. He was brilliant. He was religious. But religiousness did not bring him righteousness. And without righteousness, there is no relationship with the God of it. And that is the truth right there. It don't matter what you do. You can do all you want to do, but if you don't have the righteousness of God on you, what you do don't matter. It doesn't. And if you don't believe what I just said, just follow me in Philippians chapter three. Paul says, finally, my brethren, rejoice. Hey, remember what I just said a couple minutes ago there about all you sitting out there? How's that rejoicing in the Lord? Huh? Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous. You know, what, you know what Paul's saying there? I know I've said this over and over again. I know I've told you over and over again you should be. It's not grievous to me. I will keep telling you over and over again. Come on, pastor. You, you, I, we get it. We got it. No. Do you, I'll keep saying, and even when you get it, I'm going to keep telling you over and over again. Because you want to know why? For you, it's safe. It keeps you grounded. It keeps you remembering. got to remember who you were, because if you forget who you were, you'll go right back to it. Beware of dogs, like Chris over here. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision. Do you know what he's talking about? Do you know what he's talking about when he says that? For we are the circumcision. He's saying, You have had the junk cut away from your heart. You have been circumcised by God. He ain't talking about male circumcision, he's talking about spiritual circumcision. And he says, listen, which worship God in the, what does that say right there? And I want you to notice something. Your King James Bible, is that capital S or lowercase s? So which spirits he talking about? In you. Because this is what true worship is. Do you want to know what true worship is? True worship is not coming here on Sunday morning and listening to us sing songs. That's not true worship. I'm not saying you can't worship in that moment. What I am telling you, though, is you better make sure you understand what worship is. What worship is is having the right heart attitude. It's what is he worth to you? Well, let me tell you, Pastor, what he's worth to me. Pastor Robert, he's talking about the second coming. Yay. Listen, man, all I know is, all I know is, when he says, we're talking about the second coming, this whole place should erupt. You kidding me? When the Lord gets his glory? Thank you. I just told you y'all should erupt, and all I got was, yeah. (laughs) Come on, man, why does that not make you excited? You go, I am excited, I just can't show it. Why, if the Lord loved you, and he just said, I love you, is that all he did? I'm just asking, is that all he did? Did he wake up on that faithful morning on April 18th, or 14th, excuse me, on the day of Passover, on that Thursday morning, when he got up, and he was being taken to all the, did he just say, Pilate, you know I love those guys, yep, I love them. Is that it? Is that where it ended? What did he do? Come on, man. When are we going to get excited about this stuff? When is this going to matter? When when are we going to rejoice in Christ Jesus? When are we going to have no confidence in the flesh? If anybody had any right to have confidence in the flesh, it was Paul. Though I meet might also have confidence in the flesh if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh I the more see what he's saying? Say, saying listen if anybody had the right to have confidence in the flesh it was me I was circumcised the eighth day. I was the stock of Israel. I was the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I don't know what that means, but that means something, right? He says, as touching the law of Pharisee, uh, concerning zeal. Man, I had zeal. In my religiousness, I had so much zeal. It was crazy to the point I persecuted the church. I, in touching righteousness, which is the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, those things I counted as loss for Christ. I was zealous. Do you know what zealous means? He was sold out to it. I promise you, when they were singing around the campfire, he was the first one singing, clapping and having a ball. He was all in. He says, Man, but what what things were gained to me, I counted as loss. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. All things. Everything I was, everything I thought I was, everything that was important to me, I counted as loss. Wow. Why? For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Is he your Lord? Really? Is he? I'm not asking you, is he your Lord for salvation? I'm asking you, is he your Lord because you love him? For whom I've suffered the loss of all things, what did you lose? Just asking. What did you lose? What have you lost? All that live godly will suffer persecution. When's the last time you suffered persecution? I don't know. I don't know that I've ever suffered persecution for Christ. Well, then may I suggest you may not be living godly? Did I say you're not saved? I didn't say that. What I said is you're not living godly. Or else this book isn't the book. He says, listen, all those things, everything I was living for, you know, the big house, the cars, the purses, what, whatever, all those things I was living for, Paul says I count them as dung. That's what I think of that. You know what dung is? It's a big pile of poop. So that's what it was. It was just a big pile of poop. It was dung. It says, "Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus." And why? Why did he count all this as dung? That I may win Christ. Now watch. And be found in him. See, it wasn't just Paul knew him. It was Jesus knew Paul. He was found in him. And he understood that it was not about having his own righteousness. Which for him as a Pharisee was of the law. What is it for you? With your opinions. With your thoughts. The way you think things should be. What, what is your righteousness? He's saying I, I don't find it there. He says but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know Him. Well, how do you know, him, Paul? And the power, on the what? The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings that I would be made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Brother in verse 13, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth the things which are be, uh, on the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of what? The high call. the what calling? high calling? What's, what's he talking about? Because you've been called. In Ephesians, this is going to fit perfectly where we're going next week in Ephesians chapter 1. You, you've been called with a calling and it's a high calling. Are you going to press toward the mark? Are you going to run the race? Are you even in the race? <laughs> Huh? Are you even in the race? Listen. Paul took his relationship with God very seriously. He gave up everything for it. To think we are not called to that kind of relationship is not understanding who he was and what he gave up for such Christ. For Paul, nothing was distant. For Paul, nothing was mundane. He did nothing by going through the motions. He was sold out for the cause. He was all in. He was willing to pay the price, no matter what the cost was. For Paul, it was more than the Lord knew him, which is necessary, by the way. But he really wanted to know the Lord. He really wanted to know his mind. He really wanted to know what the Lord loved. He really wanted to know what the Lord hated. He really wanted to know what the Lord had called him to do. He really understood, which I believe he wrote Hebrews, what he wrote in Hebrews 10, 23, where he said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Why? Because he is faithful. He is faithful who has called you. He is faithful in what that which he has promised. Paul knew the Lord. And Paul knew what the Lord Wanted from him and the Paul knew what the Lord promised to him. Can I just suggest as I'm done I told you I was going to two. Twelve thirty seven, I got another hour and twenty three minutes. Hang in there. We're almost done. Listen, there's nothing more important that you could walk away with today than understanding. The Lord loves you. Yes, He does. The Lord has so much more for you. He has promised so many things that will pass your own understanding. But the way you tap into those things is you need to separate yourself from your sins. You need to start understanding that this high calling, He has called all of us to do. And I can just say this, guys, we can play Christianity all you want, but at some point, when is this going to get real? When are we going to take this seriously? And I hope, and I think our church has done some great things. But I, I get it. A lot of people are on vacation this week. But I can't help to look out and say, why aren't these seats filled? What are we doing? Where's the person that you brought? And I hope that there is somebody that you brought. I look around and I see that some people have. All of us should. We all should be actively involved in that. That's what we're called to do. What else are you doing, man? And then once you get them here, just don't bring them and leave them. Man, there's so much more to be done. And I don't know how much time we have left, but all I can say is, with every time we do have left, do you not want to say what Paul said in Philippians 3? Don't you want to know the power of his resurrection? How could you not want that? How could you not want to be a part of the prize, of the high calling that you've been called to do? If that doesn't interest you, or if you really are just like, eh, that sounds good, listen, can I just suggest that maybe you're not taking your Christian walk as serious as you should. Because that should be it. Paul says, be ye followers of me as I am of the Lord. I mean, there you go. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Paul had it all. Do you understand what he gave up to become a Christian? I mean, there was, there was times in his, in his life where he didn't even know where he was going to get his next meal. Do you think he had that problem as a Pharisee? Do you think the Pharisees were beating him and throwing rocks at him? And the, Do you think that's what was going on when he was a Pharisee? A Pharisee? A Hebrew of Hebrews? Whatever that is? No. All who live godly will suffer persecution. When's the last time you suffered persecution because of your Christian life? Do you not understand the power of his resurrection? Do you not understand what you've been called to do? I'm saved, Pastor. Good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah to you, as Billy would say. But I'm just telling you, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Well, you just don't know, Pastor. Oh, believe me. <laughs> I know. And I know we can make a lot of excuses if we want to. Because I make a lot of them. Yeah. Okay, good. Couple people, good. Listen, what did you say, Robert? Before you said we we're were forty-five. We celebrated today. Listen, I I am I'm just telling you, okay. Every great nation. Always has a major rise, then they reach the certain peak where they fall. It sure seems like our nation is getting close to that, but can I just say this? If I remember correctly, uh, I'm going off my head right now, so don't completely, but I think that most great, great civilizations, like Rome and, and Babylon, and things like that, 250 years is like the cap before they really start to fall. Just I don't know what's going to happen with our nation. What I'm going to say is that don't let the church fall. We are one generation away from, this, from the church being non-existent. Our kids are not being taught the way they should. And that's why they're all leaving the church. Listen, man, if we won't do it, who will? Because they ain't doing it. When is this going to matter? Because I promise you, it matters to him. I promise you, it does. And we have to start putting aside our own aspirations and our own thoughts, and, our, and we got to start being obedient to the things that he has called us to be obedient to. We just do. And he said, "What has he called us to be obedient to?" Well, that's what we're going to start hitting next week as we get back into Ephesians. Well, let me let me let me let me tell you what he said about what we need to be obedient to to do, because that's what the rest of chapter one, kind of chapter two. He starts to hit it in chapter three, but man, he really hits it in chapter four. What do we need to be obedient to? what, what is this church supposed to look like? Well, let's find out. Let's le- let's see what God told Paul as he revealed the dispensation of grace. Amen. Amen. Hey man, love the Lord. He did a lot for you. <laughs> I don't know that we'll ever understand how much he's done. But it was a lot, I can promise you that. Amen? All right, Father, we come before you, Lord. I just want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Lord, I, I pray that we would just consider all that you've done for us. Consider all that you have made and that you would be even mindful of us. Lord, we do love you and we do thank you for who you are, what you are, and the price you paid, Lord, I just pray that every single person in this room or every single person even listening, Lord, I would just pray that it would be our heart that we would know you and the power of your resurrection. There's a dying world out there that needs us. There are people in this room that need us and we need each other. So I pray, Lord, that we would be the church you've called us to be, that we would reach for that prize, that high calling. Lord, I do pray for those that are sick or or have uh, needs right now. Lord, it breaks my heart that uh, we can't be helping uh, the nieces as much as we could because of their situation. Uh, But Lord, you know their situation. You know that we can't be in that, uh, in those rooms with them, but you can be, and I pray that they know that they have a church that loves them, and then I pray that they know that they have a church that will do anything we can to help them. But Lord, there's nothing we can do that you can't do. And so, Lord, we do bring them before your throne. All the situations, all these uh, health issues, and and the folks that, uh, that 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 just need to know you, to need to know uh, your comfort and your peace. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom that needs to be said, uh, Lord, that we would believe it, that we would trust who you are to us. I pray for Brother Robert as he's getting ready to go on this uh, retreat, uh, that you would give him uh, uh, wisdom as he is uh, preaching to the younger generation. Uh, Certainly, uh, Lord, uh, we need more men uh, that are willing to stand up and do those things. I pray for his uh, family, uh, April, uh, when uh, as he's away, uh, that you would give her the peace and comfort uh, that she needs, uh, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just pray for this church. We pray for the direction of this church. We pray for our VBS, uh, Lord. You'll bring who you want to bring, and we'll be submissive to that. And if it's just one kid, Lord, it's 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 a, it's a success. Help us to realize that. It's not about numbers. It's about what we're doing and how we do it and our commitment. And sometimes we need to show that we're faithful in the little things before you'll bring the harvest. Help us to realize that and understand that. And Lord, we do love you. We do thank you for this day. We do thankful for the country we live in and the celebration uh, of July 4th. Uh, But Lord, God knows you know this country needs you uh, Lord, uh, I don't know how that looks. I don't know how that fits in your design, uh, but Lord, we certainly, we certainly do want to pray for it. Uh, Lord, we do love you, and we do thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.